And I so enjoy these times when we come together and we're able to remember the sacrifice that Christ paid for us on the cross. And that's what tonight's all about. Um, now, whenever you really get into the nitty-gritty of things, uh, some people will say, well, Christ wasn't crucified on Friday. He may have been crucified on Friday, but maybe he was crucified on Thursday. Some say, well, maybe he was crucified on, on Wednesday, and, and, and people can get into heated debates about what day he was crucified on. I don't know exactly which day it is. I have an idea of which day I think it is, but uh, I know this, he was crucified. And I know this, that he was laid in a grave, and I know this, three days later, he wasn't there anymore. And that's what it's all about. That's what really matters. And uh, I hope tonight that you'll realize the hope that there is in that. But tonight, for a few moments, we're going to focus our eyes and our attention on the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. We're going to remember that sacrifice, the great price that he paid so that we can have the hope of eternal life because if it was not for his death, his sacrificial death on that cross for us, we would have no hope. And so uh, today... We're going to be looking from the scriptures and remembering exactly what Christ did. Look with me, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 23. It says this, Paul writes for us, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take Eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also we took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat of this bread and drink of this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup, of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that drinketh, eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Let's ask for the Lord's help tonight, and then for a few moments this evening, just for a few, we're going to talk about exactly what it was that Christ did whenever he gave his life on that cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you give us. And God, for a few moments, I pray that you'd bring our thoughts into captivity as we reflect on exactly what you did for us on that cross. God, your great sacrifice that you paid, the giving of your life, I pray, God, that, that just for this, these few moments tonight that we'd be able to so be in tune with Your Word and, and with the Scriptures, Lord, that we'd be able to hear as if it were from You directly, Lord, that You would speak to our hearts because that's exactly what You desire Your Word to do. Lord, I pray You wouldn't let me get in the way. And I just ask, Lord, that everything that I say and everything that I do, God, would bring You honor and glory. And I pray that for the whole service tonight. May we give you praise, honor, and glory for in every way that we can. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this Sunday we will. We'll, we'll reflect on the great victory and hope that is found in Jesus as he conquers death and the grave. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, I'd encourage you if you have time, go there and, and read the whole passage. But in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 55, he says this, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then there is incredible hope. 
And if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, well, your hope is found in what you can do to get to heaven, not in what Christ did. According to Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And in Romans chapter number 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, you cannot get to heaven on your own. There's nothing that you in and of yourself can do to get yourself there. There's no vehicle that you can jump on that can take you there. You can't get on a plane that will fly you high enough. There's no way that you can get there on your own. The only way is through Jesus Christ and the payment that He made on that cross. Paul here in 1 Corinthians gives a beautiful reminder of exactly that sacrifice that Jesus made to pay for your sins and for mine. It's a reminder that here in just a few moments, whenever we do take the Lord's table, that we'll look and we'll understand exactly what it was that, that, that Paul was sharing with us as we reflect back on that payment, on that sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And that's the intention of the Lord's table. And so tonight, I want for a few moments for all of us to remember, to reflect back just like Paul reminds us that Jesus told His disciples there on that last night. For a few moments, you can pull up your seat there, maybe next to one of the, the disciples. Maybe you want to sit next to Peter, or maybe you want to find your way over and sit next to Thomas, or, or, or maybe you want to sit over there next to James, but find your way over beside one of the, the disciples and pull up a seat next to him and sit there and listen as Jesus speaks. Maybe you want to sit over there next to Judas so you can give him a good elbow or something. I don't know, but you want to find your spot in that room and listen as Jesus shares exactly what it is that he was going to do for his disciples and for you and for me don't forget when Jesus said these words he hadn't yet went to the cross the disciples didn't understand all that he was saying but as we reflect back you I guess you could say we've got 2020 vision because we can see exactly what Jesus was talking about you see he begins first of all by talking about his broken body Look there again at verse number 23 and 24. He says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he took bread, uh, and, and the same night which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. He points to his broken body. Paul brings us back to that night there before Jesus would hang on that cross. Everything that Jesus had pointed to brought them to this moment whenever Jesus was going to give His life on that cross. But it had not happened yet. Jesus being fully God, knowing what was about to come, gives a command to His disciples. As He held that bread in His hand and as He broke it, He spoke those words to His disciples in verse number 24. Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. This do ye in remembrance of Me. Now He did not say that the bread became His body. That's impossible because His body had not been, yet been sacrificed on the cross. There are some that believe that that bread literally became the body of Christ. They believe in something called transubstantiation in which the bread literally becomes the physical body of Christ and by taking it, you are eating of the body of Christ. I don't know about you, but I am not a cannibal. And neither was the disciples and neither was Jesus. 
That was not what he was teaching. In fact, if he was, he wouldn't have said, this is in remembrance of me. He would have said, this is my body, and would have just left it there. But he said, this is in remembrance of me. Of the sacrifice that I am going to make on that cross. His broken body. You know, by the time Jesus reached Calvary, his body had already been broken and torn. The cat of nine tails had already whipped across his back. Those Roman soldiers that would take that, 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 that cat of nine tails, that, that whip that had those nine leashes that came off of it that were full of fragments of bones and, and lead and, and sharp uh, objects, uh, metal, uh, weaved through it so finely. And they would take that, and these Roman soldiers knew exactly how to take that whip and how to inflict the most destruction onto the bodies of the ones that they were doing it to. So many times we think, well, Jesus had 39 stripes because that was the Jewish law. But don't, don't forget, it was not the Jews that were flogging Him. It was the Romans. And the Romans had no such restriction. We don't know how many times that whip reached around Jesus' body, crossed across His back, ripped into His, his flesh. And, and then as they took it, and they would not... not carefully pull it back, but as they would rip it away and as his body was exposed, we don't know exactly how many times that took place. But we know it happened over and over and over again. History tells us that oftentimes people would not even survive the whipping post to make their way to a cross. They would die right there. In Isaiah, the Bible gives us a, a little bit of a, a view as he talks about how, how his, his bones looked upon him. In Psalm chapter number 22, he talks about that. Then he was taken, and after they had torn his flesh that way, they took a, a robe and they put it on him. The Bible says it was a royal, a purple robe, and they put that robe on him, and, and, and no doubt that, that robe would have soaked into his, his flesh-torn back. And then they took that crown of thorns that was composed of thorns some two, three inches in length and, and they took that crown of thorns and they platted it on his head and then they took a reed and began to beat it down into Jesus' head till it pierced his skull and blood would run down his face. And then they began to bow before him. Hail, King of the Jews! <laughs> Blindfolded him. These Roman soldiers went over, not with an open hand, but with a clenched fist, and began to strike Jesus in the face. And one of them got a good idea, reached over and grabbed the beard of Jesus and began to rip the beard from His face. Excruciating pain that Jesus was experiencing, that He was suffering. And when they were finished with their mocking, and they had literally done everything that they could think of to, 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 to humiliate Him, they took that robe that they'd put on him and they ripped it off after it had dried to that body that is so torn. And then they took him. And they brought him before the crowd again and their pilot looked out. The crowd cried out, crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate, what, what, why? What has he done to deserve this type of treatment? To deserve this type of death? And he went over and he washed his hands and he said, I'm innocent of the blood of this man. You want to crucify him? See you to it. Jesus was taken and 
More than likely, it wasn't the, the entire cross that he carried. More than likely, it was just the, the cross beam that would have went across his back. They would have left the, the post standing in the, the place there. And, and they took Jesus and they put that, that cross beam across his back, that splintery cross across his torn back, and they told him to walk with it up the hill. And there he was as he walked down that street, and as the, the crowds around him jeered him and, and, and cried out to him, and, ha ha, if you're really the Son of God... Prove it. Jesus, so worn, so broken by what he had already endured, collapsed under the weight. They had to call a man to come, come out, and Simon, they came over and helped to carry the cross of Jesus up to that hill. And when he reached that place, Golgotha, the Bible tells us that no man had to hold him down. No, Jesus laid down his life. For us. You can see those Roman guards preparing for that last ditch effort of escape that a normal person would have made, but not Jesus. No, he laid himself down. As they took those spikes and as they put it into his hand, and they begin to nail through his hand, through his feet. And then as they put him on that cross, and, and so many times we see the, the picture of cross, we've, we've mentioned it before, but so many times we see the picture of a cross high in the air. And, and while that's possible, that could have been the case, more often than not, they would crucify people at about eye level. So that those that would walk by could, could look into the eyes of the person that was suffering. To the person that was in anguish. So they could hear the pain, the breathing that they were struggling to do. So that they could look at them and so they would be warned not to commit the same crimes that he had done. You can see Jesus' mother as she stood there before him broken. His disciples standing before Him, broken. As Jesus is hanging there on the cross. In Isaiah 53, the Bible says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shears is dumb, so opened he not his mouth. Jesus was broken for you. He was broken for me. And in that night, in that upper room, surrounded by His disciples, they didn't know it yet, but He was telling them, don't forget the sacrifice I am going to make for you. Don't forget about the, the, the suffering that I am about to face. Don't forget about the brokenness that I am going to feel. My broken body that I am going to give for you. And as we reflect back on that suffering of Christ, don't miss the sacrifice He made for you. See, you can put your name there in verse number 24. Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for Kyle. It's broken for you. This do you in remembrance of me. You see, it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to that cross. 
It was his love for you and for me. The song says it, and it's so true. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he died alone for you and for me. Because while Jesus could have called all the angels of heaven to rescue him, he knew there was nothing that you or I could do to save ourselves. Your punishment was to be death. And so Jesus died and was broken in your place. Tonight, see the broken body of Jesus. But then he, he goes on and he talks about his shed blood. Not only his broken body, but his shed blood. Verse 25, after the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. As Jesus hung on that cross, the drops of blood flowed from his wounds. The psalmist tells us of those open wounds in Psalm 22, verse 17. He says this, I may tell on my bones, they look and stare upon me. It was His precious blood that He was giving because it was His blood that we are saved. By the blood of Jesus, we can have the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9 tells us this in verse 11, but Christ being come, be, being come and high priest of good things to come, be a greater, more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by His own blood, He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats... In the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth and the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? In Hebrews 9, verse 22, he says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. And in verse number 4 of chapter 10, he says, For it is not possible but that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Every year the priest would enter into the holy of holies, the Bible tells us. He was the only one that was allowed to enter into that place. In fact, it was a place that was so sacred, so holy, that they would literally tie a rope around his waist. He would make sure, hey, before he walked in, he would wash his hands, and, 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 and he would anoint his head with oil. He would do everything that he could. He'd make sure that he was completely clean before God, and then he would put on those special shoes that had little bells on them, and he would walk through that veil and enter into the Holy of Holies to offer a sacrifice. Sin. You say, why did they go to such extremes for all those other things? Because if he walked into there without being completely right with God, he would be struck dead. If the bells stopped ringing, they'd take that rope and they'd pull him back out. It was a holy place where he would enter once a year to offer that, offer that sacrificial lamb. That would be used to cover the sins of the people. For thousands of years this took place. 
Until one day, John the Baptist, the last Old Testament prophet, the Bible tells us, stood and proclaimed in John chapter number 1, verse 29. He said, Behold, listen, the Lamb of God. Now look, this is so cool. That doesn't cover the sin of the world like the lambs that they had sacrificed. No, 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 no. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus doesn't just cover your sin with His blood. No, He takes them away. And that is a promise that we cannot miss. Hebrews 9 tells us, it's appointed to man once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Jesus shed His blood and paid the payment for your sins and for mine. And as we observe the Lord's table tonight, this is not for our salvation. This is an opportunity to sit down with those disciples and reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus' broken body, the payment of your sin and mine that He made with His precious blood. Listen, friend, I can tell you right now, underneath this cup, there's, there's some grape juice, Underneath this lid right here, there's, there's some little wafers. And by eating the little wafer and by drinking this little cup doesn't get you any closer to heaven. There is no uh, supernatural power contained under the lids of these containers. The supernatural power is in the moment where you realize that you were a sinner in need of a Savior and you come to Him and you ask Him to forgive you for your sins. That's what it's all about. These are just an opportunity to reflect back on what Jesus did for us. His broken body that He gave for you. His precious blood that He shed so that you could have the forgiveness of your sins. I hope tonight that when we take it that you'll remember that's exactly what it means. But then we come to verse number 26. And we give a reminder that we find to look ahead. Look at verse number 26. It says, For often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till He come. You see, as we take the Lord's table, it's an also a time to remind, to remind ourselves not only of what He did, oh, don't miss it, but to be reminded of what He is going to do. I love this. Don't miss this incredible promise. Listen, friend. You see, we're not always going to do this. One day, just like the, the, the Old Testament Passover came to an end, when Jesus became the sacrificial lamb, we no longer have to do the Passover anymore because we're not looking for the, the sacrifice to come. Now we look back. That's what this is. It's looking back and saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. But listen, friend, we're not going to do it forever. Because one day Jesus is going to come back and He's going to call those that trust Him as His Savior. He's going to call them to be in His presence for all of eternity. Can I tell you this? When we get to heaven, we're not going to have to be looking back at that because we're going to see those nail-scarred hands standing right before us. We're going to see those feet that was pierced for us. We're going to see the, 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 the side where he was, he was stabbed through that proved that He was not, not just sleeping, not just, just passed out. No, He was indeed dead. You see, one 
one day He's coming back and He says this, listen, you're going to do this and as often as you do it, you show the Lord's death. Why? Until He comes, until He returns again. You see, before He ascended into heaven, after His resurrection, He reminded those watching, I will return. And He is coming back. First to take those who trusted Christ to heaven, and then seven years later He'll come back as King to judge those who have rejected His sacrifice. But then finally tonight, the writer here in 1 Corinthians, Paul gives us a final warning. Look at verse number 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. Now what is that referring to? That's not referring to somebody that, that is just not right with God. Oftentimes that's the way that it's been, been shared. That's, that's not what it's referring to specifically here. It's referring specifically to those that have never accepted Christ as their Savior. See, the Lord's table is for those who have trusted in Christ, who have asked Him to forgive them for their sins. That's the purpose of it. Listen, friend, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have nothing to look back on and be thankful for because you haven't accepted it for yourself. How can you be grateful for a gift you've never received? You understand? You see, you have to receive this gift of God, which is through Jesus Christ in His death on the cross. And the Bible says, listen, if you decide, you know what, I'm going to trip this flippantly, it's not that big of a deal, and you take of it unworthily, the Bible says, it says this, you shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And that's a scary place to be. To treat the crucifixion, the broken body, and the shed blood flippantly but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body see the warning is given here tonight don't just treat this like it's not a big deal This is a sacred time. This is a special time where we have the opportunity to reflect on the death of Jesus Christ. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I've got the wonderful promise that I want to share with you tonight. You can do it right where you're seated tonight. I know this, there are people that play this game where they pretend like they're all these things and and they know all the words and they know all the phrases and they know how to look good and all these different things, but they've never truly accepted Christ as their Savior. And listen, friend, you can fool me, you can fool your spouse, you can fool your family, but there's one person you'll never fool, and that's Jesus. Because one day you're going to stand before him, and he's not going to say, why should I let you in? He's not going to say, what, what, what do you have that, that you can offer to me to get you into heaven? No, in fact, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter number 7 that it's the Lord that speaks. And he says, I never knew you. 
Sometimes at the end of a service, we'll probably do it this Sunday, we'll, we'll ask for a show of hands. We'll say, all right, everybody head bowed, eye closed. We'll do all that and we'll say, okay, if you know for sure that you're going to heaven, raise your hand. People raise their hands. If you don't know if you're saved, you don't know you're on your way to heaven, uh, raise your hand and then people raise their hand. Here's, here, here's what's interesting. One day when we get to heaven, it's not gonna be if we're gonna raise our hands that we know him. It's gonna be, will he raise his hand that he knows you? And you can play this game in front of me but you can't play that game in front of him. Friend, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I can tell you, here's, here's the best part. You can do it right where you're seated. It's not some fancy show, crazy show. I mean, everybody here, I think, has been in a service here before. You, you know, I've, I've shared it before. You can pray right where you're seated and say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that my sin condemns me to an eternity in hell. And God, I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins. You say, Kyle, is it really that simple? Well, the thief on the cross looked at Jesus and said, remember me. So yeah, I guess it is. It's simply coming to that place of realizing that you can't do it. And here's the truth. While it's simple, it's not always easy. Because we like to be in control. And salvation is deciding, I'm not going to be the one that's in control. God, I'm giving my eternity to you. Not what I can do, but what you did. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I hope you'll get it nailed down tonight. And if you have a trusted Christ as your Savior, can I encourage you? Take this time as an opportunity to reflect back on what he did for you. Reflect back to that broken body, to a shed blood he gave for you and for me. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, if I regard iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are walking around and they say, you know, it feels like there's a ceiling between me and God. Try to talk to him. It's like, I, I, it's like I, I just can't get through. You know what happens? Oftentimes it's because we have sin in our life. And, and, and the Bible tells us there, listen, it's not that he doesn't want to. It's that he can't. But I'll tell you what he will hear. God, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? See, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We use that verse in 1 John oftentimes for unbelievers, but did you know it's written to believers, to the church? And it's a promise. And tonight, if your soul has been dirtied up by this world, if you've allowed sin into your life that's gotten you off track, why don't you ask the Lord to cleanse you of it? And think about that sacrifice that Jesus made for you and His blood that He paid that sin, paid for your sin. Oh, praise God for it. And restore that relationship that you can have with Him that He desires for you to have. 
Friend, if you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Kyle, I'm just not ready to do that, then can I encourage you, don't take of the table. Because it's, oh. You examine yourself and you say, you know what, I know there's something in my life that isn't what it needs to be, but God, I'm not going to deal with it. Make sure you get things right. We'll have a time of quiet in just a moment where you can just spend a few moments there to make sure that your heart and your life is clean before God. They say there's no softer pillow than a clear conscience. And that's so true when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. There may be some people that after the service tonight that you maybe say, you know what, when I get finished, Lord... Tonight, there's some people that maybe I need to dial up and I need to tell them I'm sorry. There may be some spouses that need to go to each other and say, you know what, I've been wrong on some things. Will you forgive me? There may be some, some children here that need to go to parents and say, I'm sorry for this. Some relationships that need to be restored. But can I tell you, it starts vertically. And when you say, God, I am so sorry, will you forgive me and give me the strength to get things right? you get this right. It's amazing how the horizontal relationships take care of themselves. Tonight, before we take that Lord's table, I hope you'll take a few moments and reflect on the sacrifice that Christ made for you. So that when we get to Sunday, it's all rejoicing in the resurrection of Christ.